0: You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. The place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. The Wiz Bond Weekly Preview. Starting now. Start off with the afternoon games. The first game we're going to preview is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. Saints are favored by three and a half. I think they cover. They're at home. I'm worried about Mike Evans and his availability for this game. So definitely put your money on the Saints to cover the spread on this one. And just moving right into the quarterback battle. This is a battle of the ages. Two ancient quarterbacks from the beginning of time going at it. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. So I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Even though I like both defenses this year, there's just too many weapons on both sides. And there's that competitive factor. Brees and Brady both want to prove that they still have it and... They, they're going to want to beat each other. So I, I'm liking both quarterbacks in this game, and I think you should start both of them with confidence. Moving on to running back, I'm not as high on Alvin Kamara in regards to his rushing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had one of the top rushing defenses in the NFL. I don't think that changes this year, but he has a lot of value as a receiver as well, so that's where I think he gets his points and where you can kind of start him with confidence I mean, Alvin Kamara, you drafted him in the first round. You're, you're going to be playing him regardless of his matchup. Uh, again, this isn't an ideal matchup rushing-wise, but uh, he has so many different uh, skill sets that he's able to produce even uh, if you know a team's able to shut down one of them. So start Alvin Kamara with confidence. Obviously, with any of the other running backs on New Orleans, I would not bet on right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing Latavius Murray. So, and and to be honest, you might see Taysom Hill still some of those goal line carries. Uh, You know, we've been talking about it all uh, offseason in regards to they didn't sign him to that big contract to not use him. So they're going to find ways to use him. On the other side of the ball with Tampa Bay, I'm kind of staying away from everybody. You know, Bruce Arians always says, oh yeah, this is my guy. And he's saying that about Ronald Jones. He's also saying that he's going to incorporate Leonard Fournette. And I just don't know who the running back's going to be in Tampa Bay. There's there's too many options for my liking. Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, they drafted him in the third round. I don't think they drafted him to not really uh, incorporate him at all. And, again, with Bruce Arians not running the ball as much as he likes to pass the ball, I just don't like any of the running backs in this matchup. Uh, I'm, I'm not playing any of them. And, again, if it was just a, like a single running back that we knew that was playing, uh, I, I would probably be pretty high on them, but with this current situation it 's like you know digging through the muck, trying to find the uh you know a gold coin uh, i i don 't want to go through the effort to to try to unearth that, especially when there 's so many other gold coins that aren 't buried in mud so uh moving on to wide receiver I like all the receivers in this matchup. You know, for New Orleans, Emmanuel Sanders, this will be his first game with the Saints. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. But I think he has a productive game, taking some of that pressure off of Michael Thomas and vice versa. Michael Thomas, you know, Tampa Bay was really bad against the wide receiver position last year. And they didn't make enough moves for me to really be that high on their pass defense this year. So I think Michael Thomas has a huge game. And, you know, again, it's not someone that I need to tell you to start. Uh, but uh, Traquan Smith is also an option. I'm not starting him, of course, uh, but definitely Thomas and Sanders are, are some you know people that you need to have in your lineup. On the other side of the ball, you definitely want Mike Evans if he's playing. You want to watch till the uh, they announce who dresses and who doesn't because if he's an inactive, you definitely don't want to play Mike Evans and uh it's looking like he might not play having said that i like chris godwin a lot he has a lot of big games against the saints no matter who he plays against and with tom brady being able to work him the ball i think he gets more opportunities i think it's going to be a little bit harder to come by and they might be a little bit more spread out just because you know you put latimore on godwin with evans being out i think that takes away from his effectiveness a little bit so i think he has a good game i just don't know that he has a, a monster game like uh he has in the past. I mean last year he had in one of the games hundred twenty five yards and two touchdowns and I, I'm not sure that he you know w- with him being the only guy that they they give him the ball. And then uh you know, Scotty Miller, uh Justin Watson, those type of receivers, they can definitely be options with Evans being out. I don't think they're options enough that you're gonna you know use them as, over one of your drafted guys that you have uh but it's an intriguing matchup nonetheless that they could have a pretty productive game at tight end I like OJ Howard more than Gronkowski in this one I think they're going to use Gronkowski more as a decoy not saying that he doesn't get any targets so you know between Gronkowski, Braid, and Howard Uh, It's it's another quagmire of tight ends that it's like who's going to be the guy and and trying to predict that. I mean, if you have a better tight end option that you feel is going to get more targets, take advantage of them because uh, although I think the tight end position for Tampa Bay can do something as a collective, I don't know which one of those guys it it will be, so I would stay away from it. On the Saints side of the ball, I like... Jared Cook, which, you know, coming into the season, I wasn't high on him. I had him ranked, like, 19th out of tight ends. I, I just don't see him having a productive year. But in this matchup, I do. I think he's a good option. Uh, but you still need to worry about Taysom Hill. If he's a tight end uh, option in your league, like he is in a lot of leagues, he actually could overshadow Cook because he might get some of the goal line carries on top of that. So if I'm having a tight end option that's potentially getting goal line carries and on a goal line offense... I'm taking that all day, so I actually like Taysom Hill in this more than Jared Cook, just for that. It's just all about what he's, uh, you know, listed as in your league, because some places don't, he's only listed as a receiver. I don't like him in that role, but if he's listed as like a, you know, QB slash running back or QB slash tight end, uh, he might be worth some value, uh, you know, this week in this matchup the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. This is a 7-point spread in favor of the 49ers. I'm taking Arizona and getting the 7 points. It's a divisional game. Arizona has a high-powered offense. I just I see 40 the 49ers winning, but I don't see them beating them, you know, beating the Cardinals by 7 points. I, a, a spread that high, I'm always going to take the the team uh with with the points and especially when it's a high-powered offense it's, it's a no-brainer for me and having said that at the quarterback position jimmy garoppolo i feel even though i'm not high on him as a quarterback through the whole season i think he has an amazing week this week against arizona arizona is not really good at defending the slot receiver or the tight end position i really expect huge things from george kittle I do like the drafting of Simmons this year by the Cardinals, but he has yet to play in an NFL game, and so it's going to take a while for him to acclimate. And George Kittle is a beast. They signed him to the big contract. He's going to have a a great game. So having said that, Jimmy Garoppolo had his best games against the Cardinals last year, and I don't see that changing. I think he continues it this week. So start Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a top 10 uh, quarterback this Uh, this year or this week I should say Kyler Murray on the other side not high on him I like him as a quarterback but you know against the 49ers they're a tough defense and I don't think he has the efficiency that you'd want so I think he places outside of the top 10 and he definitely needs to be uh, potentially a bench option if you have someone better if not you know you're gonna probably get 10 top 10-15 production from him but uh, it's going to be a slower uh, day for Kyler Murray than what you're going to get the rest of the year. Running back, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is just, uh, I like Kenyon Drake for the season. 49ers have a great rushing defense. I'm not really high on Kenyon Drake this week. He needs to be a bench option if you have someone better. If not, you know you can start him, hoping that he gets a touchdown or maybe he gets two touchdowns and you get lucky, but uh, from a, a Production-wise, like you know, yards and and uh, targets, I-, I think he has a slow week. The 49ers, uh, Raheem Mostert, I like him a lot. I think you can start him with confidence. I think he's going to be the guy. Five yards of carry, it's nothing to sneeze at. And Cardinals. Didn't do anything on defense to make me think that that changes. So I like Mostert, and hey, I like Tevin Coleman, too. I think Tevin Coleman can be a good play this week. So if you have Tevin Coleman and as a flex and you're wondering about him, uh, I, I would play him against the Cardinals. I don't I don't think he's going to have a, a bad game. And I think the only thing that might take away from Tevin Coleman's production is Jarek McKinnon. You've heard good things about him in camp. But without preseason games, you don't know how ready he he is. But uh, he potentially could be a, a good option at uh, the wide receiver position. I, you know, Debo Samuel's looking like he's not going to play. Uh, even if he does, I think he'll be limited. Brandon Ayuk uh, was questionable. He's missed some time, and I don't want to start him as a rookie, not knowing how he you know they're going to use him in that offense. So I'm kind of out on the 49ers receivers this week. I just don't see anything that uh, I couldn't get somewhere else that would be a better option at this point. The Arizona Cardinals, I love the Arizona Cardinals. I think, you know, Larry Fitzgerald in the slot is uh, he's going to have a good a good game. You know, they they run a lot of four wide sets. So, you're looking at maybe Andy Isabella in the middle of the field and With Christian Kirk and then DeAndre Hopkins, uh, there's a lot of talent there. And and I get that San Francisco has a really good secondary. They were exposed a little bit in the Super Bowl. I I don't think Arizona is going to repeat that, though. Uh, But the talent is there, and you definitely need to be starting them. At tight end, Dan Arnold for the Cardinals. I think he's an intriguing option this year. He uh, had a good rapport at the end of the year with Kyler Murray. In this game, though, I I don't see it. I wouldn't be anywhere near him. You're probably not anyways. (laughs) He's probably not on anyone's radar, so you don't have to worry about it. And, you know, we've already talked about George Kittle. He's going to be a beast. He's going to be targeted like crazy. Cardinals are horrible against defending the tight end, and George Kittle is one, if not the best, top two for sure in the NFL. And so he's definitely going to have a big game. So... You can start him with confidence and uh, like you could start him in any game with confidence. And again, I I think uh, I I picked the 49ers in this one, but it's going to be a pretty close game and uh, probably higher scoring than what people think. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Chargers are favored by three and a half. And normally... A team like the Chargers going to Cincinnati, I would pick the Bengals with three and a half. But uh, with Joe Burrow not even doing or competing in a preseason game, I'm picking the Chargers because that's a lot of non-experience that Joe Burrow has going against the Chargers ones, even out uh, without Derwin James. Chargers, I still think, have a pretty decent defense, although they'll be easier to pass against. And I am I like the Chargers in the three and a half Moving on to the quarterback situations. Um, I'm staying away from Tyrod Taylor. I don't believe he's a top 15 quarterback this week. And Joe Burrow, I definitely don't think is a top 15 quarterback this week. Uh, I think he's going to go through a lot of growing pains. And it will not be fantasy relevant for week one. Which is okay, because in the long run, I really do like Joe Burrow. I think he's a talent, but uh, I'm not expecting a lot of big things from him this, uh, this week. Moving on to running back. You know, Joe Mixon was on the injury report with a head injury. Uh, obviously, I think he plays, and he'll he'll actually be a good option. With Cincinnati, I think he's the only one that I would play this week. I, I I feel like he'll have a good game and get a lot of volume, and he's just an amazing back. I think if he wasn't playing for Cincinnati, we'd be talking more about him. But, uh Outside of that, John Ross is on the injury injury report, but I think he plays. But between, you know, A.J. Green, uh, I, I would probably play A.J. Green if you have him. But, uh, again, with Joe Burrow making his first start, I, I, I'm not real confident in a lot of the receiver options. So, I mean, everybody, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, I, I'd be staying away from everybody. And I don't like the... Cincinnati's tight ends as receiving threats they're a great blockers, so they do have value but just not for fantasy so I'm staying away from them on the charger side of the ball Austin Eckler I think has an amazing game Cincinnati was horrible at uh, stopping the running backs last year like 30th in the NFL so whatever you can do get Austin Eckler on the field as a receiving threat and a rushing threat I think he has a huge game and he's going to be one of those guys that wins you your week this week. I'm, I'm expecting big things. I'm not concerned about Kelly or Jackson taking into his uh, carries and targets. I think it's going to be the Austin Eckler show. At receiver, Keenan Allen, I I like. He's just a good receiver, so if you have him, you're playing him. Mike Williams is hurt. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder. Don't think he's going to be playing. So, outside of Keenan Allen, I'm not high on the uh, the Chargers and, and their receiving core. So, uh, Keenan Allen and Bust, basically, in this matchup. Tight end for the Chargers, Hunter Henry. I like him a lot. I think he's the one that's going to pick up the slack for an injured Mike Williams. You definitely need to be starting him in your lineup if you have him. I think he can be you know, the top tight end, to be honest. And uh, he needs to be played in all formats. And uh, I I think it'll be a fun game. It'll be interesting to see Joe Burrow in his first uh, official NFL start. The Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams is going to be the Sunday night game. And I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I just have a feeling like, you know, people have been talking up the Dallas defense, and I get it. And and the Rams' defense isn't horrible, but I just think that uh, Dak Prescott and Jared Goff are both going to have extraordinary games. Dallas is favored by three points, and with the Rams being at home, I think they win this game, actually. So I'm taking the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm taking the three points as well. So, uh, again, I think they win the game, not uh, and getting an extra three points based off of that, I, I will take that every time. I, I like the Dallas... You know, I like the Dallas football team. I think they're a little overrated. I do think they're a playoff team, but I, I don't think they're Super Bowl favorites by any means this year. And I, I'm fine with saying that. I know there's a large Dallas Cowboy fan base, and I just feel like they get a little overhyped every year that the uh, you know uh, about the talent that they have on their team. Anyways, moving on from that. At you know quarterbacks, I've already talked about it. Jared Goff has a lot of weapons between, you know, at tight end with Higby and uh, Everett, and then receiver. Uh, I think he's going to be passing the ball a lot, and and that includes with the the running backs. He'll be doing a lot of dump offs. So this will be a big game for Jared Goff. It'll be a big game for Dak Prescott. I think they're both top twelve quarterbacks, so they both need to be played. And. At running back, this is where it gets a little bit different. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you're obviously playing Ezekiel Elliott. He's, uh, you know, must start every week. With the Rams' backfield, I'm staying away from everybody. I, I don't think it's going to be the Cam Akers show right away. Daryl Henderson is hurt and might not play. I think he does play, and I, I don't think his hamstring is going to keep him from playing in this game. I don't think he'll be that effective, however. If I was going to start someone on the Rams, it'd be Malcolm Brown. I think he's the running back to own. I think he's going to get the goal line carries. He's going to get a lot of the early, uh, you know, touches. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Malcolm Brown is actually the most fa- fantasy relevant. And I know I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but uh, I don't think enough attention's being. Um, had towards Malcolm Brown and what he can do in that uh, Rams backfield right now with Gurley being gone and uh, it's always on the shiny new toy with Cam Akers and again I like Cam Akers I just think it'll take a while for him to take over and it's going to be the Malcolm Brown show for at, at least a month so if you have Malcolm Brown he might be a interesting flex person to play against the Cowboys and it could pay dividends for you moving on to receiver I like all the receivers in this Bobby Woods Uh, cooper cup um amari cooper you know he's away and i know the big joke is you know he's great when he's at home not so great when he's away i like michael gallup a whole lot more i think michael gallup's the receiver to play in this matchup and i think he has a bigger day than amari cooper so if you have michael gallup please play him i think he has a big game Amari Cooper is going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey, and although I like Jalen Ramsey as a cornerback, uh, I I don't think he's necessarily a, a top five cornerback. He's good, but I don't think he's a top five cornerback. And so, Amari Cooper still should probably have a decent game, but he's not. He's you know he's away. All the signs point to Amari Cooper having a quiet day. So, I'm going to believe that and be all on the Michael Gallup hype train on this one. So, CeeDee Lamb's a rookie. Not sure what to expect from him. I'm obviously not starting him uh, this week one matchup. Blake Jarwin, I think he's a viable option. If you have Blake Jarwin, he's could be a good one to throw out there on Sunday night. I think he, he has a lot of potential. So, uh, on the Ram side of the ball, I'm not big on Josh Reynolds of course you know my take I think Van uh, Jefferson is the guy to own over Josh Reynolds but uh, Cooper Cup again I mentioned how much I like him and Bobby Woods so uh, I think Van Jefferson could be a a sleeper if they do their three receiver sets if they do more of a 12 package with uh, Everett and Higby I think both tight ends could be effective because Cowboys weren't that efficient at uh, defending the tight end position either. So I think Higby and Everett are both decent plays this week. The first Monday night game, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the New York Giants. Steelers are favored by five and a half points, and I agree with that. I'm actually taking Pittsburgh in this one and giving up the five and a half points I just think that uh, with that defense and that offense and how hungry that offense is going to be, it's going to be a great matchup for the Steelers, especially with the Giants with the changes that they've had in the offseason. Um, and I actually feel like the Giants' defense is, uh, you know, trying to improve, but they're not there yet. They're still going to be. Uh, a liability for the, this football team. So Pittsburgh in the five and a half points. Uh, Injury-wise, Dante Johnson was uh, hurt today at practice. He was kind of hurt last week. It's looking like he might not play. Uh, that's definitely a blow if you're a Dante Johnson owner, because I feel like he would have had a huge game. But uh, what I would do in that situation is if you're hell-bent on starting Dante Johnson, keep someone like James Washington or Chase Claypool uh, available on your roster so you can switch it out with a similar player who uh, could have uh, some production if Dante Johnson doesn't play. And that way you save yourself uh, from not having anyone to play uh, on that Monday night football game if he doesn't play. Moving to the uh, quarterbacks in the fantasy football perspective, um, Ben Roethlisberger I think is just going to go nuts. Uh, You know, there's the big issue with him not having uh, good home and away splits that he's great at home not good on the road he kind of put that to rest a little bit you know the year before he got hurt he uh had some pretty efficient games on the road so I don't want to hold that against him anymore because I definitely was of that thinking when I was uh, doing fantasy football or uh, you know fan duel lineups but uh I think you know the year off and the surgery is going to make him even a better passer than he was definitely from last year and the end of the the year before. So I am really high on Roethlisberger. I think he has a top twelve week, so he needs to be started. Daniel Jones, on the other hand, I think he is having. I think he has. I don't think he's in the top twenty five this week. I think he's going to have a horrible, horrible, horrible game. You need to stay away from Daniel Jones at all costs, in every format, because the Steelers' defense is, I think, going to be one of the top defenses in the NFL. They're going to be right up there with San Francisco. And it's not going to be good for Daniel Jones in this one. So please stay away from him. He's not a consideration. Running back, Saquon Barkley. I do like Saquon Barkley. Uh, Steelers were a little weak at defending the rush at times. I think they're getting better, but Saquon Barkley is a huge talent. He's able to, I mean, he's just as good of, of a receiver as he is a runner. So it's stupid for me to even talk about because if you drafted Saquon Barkley, it's in your t- one of the top three picks and you're not benching him. Uh, James Conner, on the other hand, uh, he definitely is a play as well. Uh, I think you need, if you have him, you need to play him. I think this is a good matchup against this Giants defense and he can have top 5 production for you at that running back spot. So James Conner, I like him and uh, I think the only thing that will limit him is if he gets hurt and doesn't finish the game, which you do, you know could be the case for anybody, but you know with James Conner I feel like I have the need to say that a little bit more uh prominently than I, I would another back since it's been kind of uh, uh an ongoing Uh, concern with James Conner is his injury history and uh, not being able to complete games. At uh, the wide receiver positions, obviously I am all on board with Dante Johnson if he plays. Now, I realize he might not, but if he does, you need to start him and play him with confidence. I think he's going to have a huge game if he does. Um, If not, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster I think is a great play still. And I'm kind of I like if Dante Johnson doesn't play. I like Washington, but uh, at that middle role, I kind of like Chase Claypool a little bit better than James Washington. If Dante Johnson doesn't play, I think if Dante Johnson plays, you don't want to touch Claypool. But I think Claypool has some some value if uh, Dante Johnson's out. Uh, I know he's a rookie, but uh, he's such a target, and I don't think he gets a lot of uh, opportunities. But I, I think he can definitely get uh, be that red zone threat for him. And uh, I kind of have the same feeling with Eric Ebron at tight end. I think if you have Eric Ebron at tight end, that he's a great play, and he's someone that you need to be plugging into your lineup against the Giants. On Conversely, on the other side with Evan Ingram, he's like the James Conner of the uh, tight end position. If he finishes the game and is healthy, I think he has a decent game against the Steelers. Even though I feel like the Steelers have made great strides in defending that tight end position, uh, they used to be used to be the thorn in their side, and uh, with the additions of Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush, they've done a good job of defending that position. But uh, you know, Daniel Jones has to put it somewhere, and I, I think that's where you know a lot of the targets are going to go. Golden Tate is on the injury report as being questionable. I think Golden Tate plays. I don't think that will be a problem. It's a lower body injury, though, especially in that slot receiver position. But Steelers are good at defending that that slot position, anyways. You know they held Cooper Cup to zero points, zero targets actually when they played so uh, last year. So I don't think Golden Tate's a factor in this one. I do like Sterling Shepard. He's the number one receiver. He's going to be getting a lot of targets. So. He's someone that I would play if he was on my roster. And Darius Slayton, again, it's, it's kind of tough because both Nelson and Hayden are good cornerbacks. So uh, they're both going to be uh, have tough matchups, but I think they'll be getting a lot of volume because they'll be playing from behind. The final game of Week 1 is the Tennessee Titans at the Denver Broncos. And Tennessee is favored by uh, 1.5 points. I am picking Denver, so go with Denver, get the 1.5 points. My reasoning behind this is, you know, these same teams played last year. Denver won a 16 nothing. bottled up Derrick Henry. I feel like the similar script is going to be played, although I do think Tennessee scores. I don't think they get shut out. I just, uh, even without Von Miller... I think Denver has a formidable defense, and they're going to hold the Titans to uh, a low offensive production. So, go with Denver. And uh, fantasy football-wise, you know, quarterback position, Drew Locke. I I don't like Drew Locke this week. You know, him, uh, uh, he was Burke and Mine's big uh, breakout star this year but uh, this is a tough first uh, week one matchup and I don't expect Drew Locke to be very productive. So I would keep him on my bench. If you have another option, please use them. And then it's actually the same with Ryan Tannehill on the other side. Ryan Tannehill is getting some sleeper buzz from outside circles. Actually, I'm not high on him this year just because of opportunities. He was really like freakishly efficient last year. And I don't think that uh, game plan changes. And I just don't feel like he can keep up that efficiency uh, another season. Although, you know, I I do think he's a decent quarterback. So uh, week one against Denver in that defense, I don't expect a big output from Ryan Tannehill. So I would keep him on my bench as well. So benching both quarterbacks, I, I think that obviously this is a defensive battle. I am not playing... Derrick Henry in this one, and, uh, well, I take that back. I am playing Derrick Henry because he's my first-round pick. I guess expectations should be tempered, though, because I like Denver's uh, rush defense this year. I think they bottle up Henry again, and he's not as effective. They are going to use him more in the passing game, so I, I think he gets a, you know more passing yards, um, but he, he's not going to have the fantasy production you'd want from your number one back this week. On the flip side, Melvin Gordon, I don't like at all. I'd keep him on my bench. I really think Philip Lindsay is going to be the more of the bell cow than Melvin Gordon. And if I was going to start a running back, it's going to be Philip Lindsay. And I would actually play him as a flex uh, player against Tennessee this week. At receiver, I for Denver. You know, the injury to Cortland Sutton today, it doesn't look like he's going to be back for a while, let alone for Week 1. So that's kind of a big blow for uh, for Denver. And, you know, it makes me like Jerry Judy a lot more in this matchup than I would have. I mean, he's a rookie, so you still want to temper your expectations. But uh, you knew is isn't a rookie anymore, Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. And I feel like they're the ones that are going to have to pick up the slack, and, and they potentially could have bigger games uh, because their usage is going to go up now that Cortland Sutton won't be available. So you definitely uh, want to keep them in the back of your minds If you're doing like a FanDuel one-day type thing or DraftKings, uh, those are definitely viable options. Obviously, you're not going to pick them up for fantasy football and play them, uh, especially not yet. But uh, on, on the Tennessee Titans side of the ball, you know, you're starting A.J. Brown. you got to like A.J. Brown. I I feel like his opportunities will be limited, but he's, you know, he's the type of guy that can take it to the house no matter where he's at. So you always want a guy in your lineup like that. Uh, Corey Davis, you know, he's looking like he potentially could be a bust for the Titans. Uh, Not that he's a horrible receiver, but for the, you know, what number five or seven overall pick that they took him at just, uh, hasn't been matching that production of, of that spot. And I, I get it too I think part of it is the quarterback play they're obviously not a high-powered passing offense but uh, you know you look at what A.J. Brown's able to do in that type of offense and, uh, and Corey Davis uh, isn't able to match that so outside of uh, A.J. Brown I really don't like anyone I mean Adam Humphries is in the slot but uh, you know with the, the the Titans their inability to use their receivers he's pretty much a non-factor and it's starting to look like it was a horrible signing on Tennessee's part. Uh tight end position, I'm in love with both players uh on both teams. Janu Smith is my guy. He's my favorite tight end this year. Uh we'll talk more about him on the draft. He got stolen for me, but uh I would love to have him and I'm starting him in a lot of my, you know, other like FanDuel DraftKings uh, type lineups. So I think he's due to have a big game against Denver especially. I don't feel like Denver has a player that can defend him so i'm all about janu smith in this one and i'm all about noah fant especially with Cortland sutton getting hurt i think fant is going to have a really big game against tennessee and he's going to pick up a lot of those targets that uh you know th- that the courtland sutton's going to uh be missing out on due to his injury so uh, you can start both of them effectively and you know i'm say it again I'm really high on the tight ends this uh, week one I just think like there's just so many mismatches that uh, a lot of tight ends are going to have decent weeks this week and I really feel like uh, you know uh, running backs this week is going to be hit or miss on uh, some of these guys but anyways uh, yeah it's going to be a I think a defensive game that uh, Denver kind of squeaks out at the end Here's our FanDuel segment, and normally I just would give you my picks, but in this instance, I wanted to uh, kind of explain, you know, the week one strategy. In week one, I like to do, you know, different lineups just because I like to get a feel for what coaches are trying to do schematically, how players fit into those offenses, you know, what roles they play, and so it's kind of hard to tell, especially this season, more than ever due to you know COVID so you know I always try to go with one lineup first week I kind of cheat and do two or three to uh, see where I'm at so uh, you know yet we weren't able to see him in the preseason weren't able to get many reports out of practice so I think this is a strategy to go for in this type of scenario and uh, having said that I'll give you the one that I was you know spent the most research on and and uh, feel the most confident in so hopefully you will win some money I had a really good run at the end of last year and so I'm hoping to continue that in you know the the beginning of this season and uh, hopefully I'll win you guys some uh, some big money in either, uh either uh, FanDuel or uh, uh, DraftKings so first one is uh, Teddy Bridgewater for the Carolina Panthers Las Vegas is traveling all the way to Carolina. Carolina's at home. I think Las Vegas wins, but I think it'll be a shootout. And I'm not sold on their, you know, the the Raiders' defense. Uh, they're really susceptible to the pass last year. I, I think that continues. I didn't see a lot of moves that uh, solidified it. I mean, they drafted some cornerbacks in the draft, but again, they haven't played any NFL games yet. So I think they're ripe for the picking. And Teddy Bridgewater has some weapons. Matt Rules offense at Baylor. They were they were really pass heavy. And I expect that to continue with him now at Carolina. So this could be a really good situation, especially you know, week one where it kind of sneaks up on people. He's listed at sixty eight hundred dollars, and I like that value for quarterback, especially with the other uh, skills positions I was able to get in. So start Teddy Bridgewater at your quarterback position. At the first running back slot, I have Miles Sanders. Washington was horrible against the running back position last year, uh running and passing. And so I you know, I, I get Miles Sanders is hurt this week and there's talks that they're gonna, you know, wean him into the, the season and not try to overwork him. I don't believe it. I mean, you look at Miles Sanders and you look at the other running backs on the roster. Obviously, I think Boston Scott's good as like a, a back to spell the offense or sp- spell Sanders, but I if Sanders is playing, he needs to be in your lineup because I think he has a big uh, game against the Washington Redskins and so obviously check on Sunday morning see if he's playing. If he is, start him. I get it's uh, it's risky to start people that have not practiced much and been hurt, but in this instance with his value, he's at 6800 as well. I think it's worth that risk for what you'll get in return. So uh, again, if he plays, you're all over him. If not, then you, yeah, you need to pivot a little bit. And if I was going to pivot, I'd probably go with Marlon Mack, um, I, just because again, I'm not sold on Jonathan Taylor. And uh Marlon Mack consistently rips the Jaguars offense to shreds, so or defense to shreds. So he's uh, Marlon Mack's someone that you need to be uh have on your peripheral in case uh, you need to plug him in somewhere for, you know, a Miles Sanders or, or maybe another injured running back you have uh that doesn't end up playing. Austin Eckler is my other running back. He's going against Cincinnati and Cincinnati is, was as bad as Washington last year at the running back position and defending that and i not i don't like any of the changes that the Bengals made on defense to make me think that they're any more formidable uh Trey Wayne's came aboard and now he's on you know he's hurt and you know not playing and i don't know i think it's just a disaster right now on the Bengals defense so I think Austin Eckler is the guy to own, both through the air and on the ground. Uh, he's going to be force-fed the ball. He's at 7700 and I just like that uh, value right there. So I'm going with Austin Eckler. The number one receiver spot is Michael Thomas against Tampa Bay. And they're at home in the Superdome. Drew Brees' favorite target. Uh He's expensive. He's at $8,800, but the way I finagled the roster, I'm able to put him in there. And I put him in there just because of the consistency. He's the most consistent receiver, so uh, I think he can continue that against Tampa Bay. And, you know, there's been some shootouts against Tampa Bay in, in, between Tampa Bay and New Orleans in the past. Uh, I think it was a big disappointment last season, uh, the second game they played, where you thought it would be kind of like that, and and it wasn't. But, uh History is on the side that it is going to be high scoring with, you know, the Tom Brady-Drew Brees matchup, and I just want the number one receiver in that matchup, and I'll be honest, I was thinking of Godwin, but with Mike Evans potentially being out, that scares me a little bit because I do like Lattimore's ability to cover, and I think he's going to be all over Godwin uh, if Evans doesn't play. So it's really, you know, it, it, you could look at it from the perspective that he's going to get a lot of Targets, but then you can look at it from the perspective of they're really going to key on him because if they take him out of the game, it's really going to hurt the passing game. So that's you know you might if you want to pivot from that when you, you know if you find out Mike Evans is playing great, but uh, as of right now, that's my my pick. So my second receiver is Allen Robinson for the Bears against Detroit, and Mitch Trubisky doesn't look amazing very often. If at all, but the few times he has, it's been against the Detroit Lions. Allen Robinson is his number one receiver. He has had monster games against the Lions. Darius Slay is not there. Their their secondary isn't as isn't scary at all. Actually, um, it, it wasn't great before, but I think it's even worse. And as much as I hate the Bears' offense, this one week I am really liking. Allen Robinson and his potential, so he's at seventy two hundred, and I think that's all right value for uh, a guy that could actually be a number one receiver uh, in a lineup this week with what uh, w- you know w- with w- with his history against this team. So, and you're gonna see with my next pick that I had to get some people with value because uh, I have some expensive options uh, coming up. So, uh, my next receiver, I have Steve Sims Jr. for Washington, and I get that McLaurin is number one receiver. He's going to get all the hype, but there's just something about Sims and his you know presence in the slot where he's a better player than what he's getting credit for. He's more impactful than what he's getting credit for, and I think it, it could be one of those games where they focus on McLaurin and their Sims. Getting you know the majority of the the targets and you know the touchdowns and uh, if he's getting the touchdowns it doesn't matter about the targets because uh, obviously you know you're getting the, the six points so I he's he's listed at fifty one hundred dollars and for that value at fifty one hundred I just want to take the chance on him and I you know I'm building him up like he's gonna have a big game we don't know but I, I like you know. The, the, the Eagles aren't very good at defending the pass and they proved that last year and definitely with that slot receiver they weren't they weren't very good. Uh, slot receiver position just killed them last year. Part of that was due to injury, I get it, but uh, it's just screaming to me that uh, Steve Sims Jr. just has a huge game uh, against the Eagles. So uh, I think it's worth the risk. Hayden Hurst is my tight end playing against Seattle. Seattle was the second worst team next to Arizona at defending the tight end position. And uh, it could be the George Kittle effect. You know, both teams played George Kittle twice. But uh, no, no, all honesty, it didn't matter who the tight end was. They didn't do very well against them. Hayden Hurst is filling that Austin Hooper role, and they definitely um, are not shy about using the tight end. So just from a volume perspective, I want... Hayden Hurst in there uh, he's he set up to have a big day he's at $5,200 which is like you know $2,500 cheaper than Kittle so I'm uh, actually yeah it's it's significant so I'm I'm having Hurst in my lineup and potentially getting the same reward I have Hayden Hurst in all my lineups doesn't matter what it is I just like that value of what he's being listed as and what he can do against Seattle, so he's my pick. The next flex position, I have Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas Raiders, at Carolina. Carolina was the very worst defense in the league against the run, and I know they have some draft picks in there, but we haven't seen them. They haven't proven that they can stop the run. Josh Jacobs, I think, is going to have an amazing season. They're going to focus on getting him the, the ball a lot more this season. So he's at $8,200, so that's expensive, but I am taking that at that my flex position, and I am starting Josh Jacobs, and I think he's going to have a monster game, and the, the big drawback of starting a Jacobs is I think a lot of people are going to be starting him, so he's going to be in a lot of lineups but you run the risk of if you don't start a star player against a good matchup that uh, if he does explode you're behind so you kind of want to keep up with that in regards to you want the star players you pick to perform so it keeps you in the money and then you want your lower tier players you know like my Steve Sims players or um, well actually have a pretty good line Teddy Bridgewater would be a great example of you know outproducing his value so that that's what you're looking for. My final pick is uh, defense, the L.A. Chargers against Cincinnati. I was also thinking Colts here, but uh, Chargers won out, and, and that's just because, again, they're playing a rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, who hasn't played any real NFL football. No preseason games, nothing, and is going to face first team defense of the Chargers who's a great defense even uh, minus Derwin James and everybody else so I'm, I'm liking that matchup even if Cincinnati scores I think he's prone to have some mistakes potentially pick six mistakes and I want to be all over that so I have the Chargers as my defense and I'm really excited about that lineup I think it's going to be the, the the money maker for me, and I guess we'll find out. I'll be uh, you know during our next podcast, I'll be around to talk about it, and we'll we'll see how I did. So that's uh let's move on. The Burke and Miz fantasy football draft results. Let's go. So I'm going to review our fantasy football draft that we had on Monday. It was a really fun time, hanging out with friends, drafting. Uh, Full disclosure though, I drafted 11, which means I came in second place. And for even more disclosure, I, I call it the Michael Boone fiasco. I was really high on Michael Boone. Everybody was high on Michael Boone. And to be honest, he was still on my bench all the way till two minutes before game time on Sunday. I had Joe Mixon in there, he was playing the Patriots, I liked the matchup, I was going to go with him, and then there was reports of him having a stomach bug where he was going to be limited and might not be effective, and it scared me enough to plug in Michael Boone for Monday night. No worries, you would think, because he's basically scored, you know, 14 or more points in every game that he's played, except for the one that I played him in for the championship. He got... Like, three points. I needed five. Mixon got me seven. I would have won if I left him in there. Not that I'm bitter about it, but uh, it was a hard pill to swallow. And here's the part that makes it a harder pill to swallow. Is that I lost against Burke. So, Burke is our league champion. That should never happen, but it did. And I have to live with the consequences. So, having said that, you know, we just did our fantasy draft or uh, mock draft the other day and you know walking through the draft you're giving away what you're thinking and guys you like so I probably shouldn't have done that a few days before the draft because he knew my strategy knew everyone I liked and I know what you're thinking you can be like well you're 11th and he's 12 so you can take the guy before he does well he has the double pick So I'm able to get the guy I want, but never on the way back am I able to get the guy I want. So I counted it up seven times I was thwarted by Burke about getting that guy that I wanted. So it's really hard to do a draft where the the person picks the guy you want right before you that many times. You really got to be on your toes. But I was actually prepared for that knowing that we just did the draft, knowing he likes my guys. So I was really flexible, and I had a big list because I was ready for all my guys to be taken. And they were, most of them. But uh, uh, full disclosure, too, on our draft format, it's a keeper league, so you're able to keep two people. I kept Miles Sanders for a fourth-round pick that I was able to trade Darren Waller for to get that fourth-round pick. So really it was an eighth and fifteenth-round pick that I had to give up this draft draft. And, you know, Mahomes, I drafted him a couple years ago before we blew up, so I was able to get him for a 10th round pick, and he's been a gem for me ever since. But, uh, anyways, having said that, I, I started off with the sixth pick in the first round, and then everywhere hereafter, I was at that 11th spot. Um, obviously, McCaffrey went first. A little bit of surprise with the second pick. Elliott went before Saquon Barkley. Not that much of a surprise, though. I mean, you're going to have some discrepancies. Especially because Saquon Barkley went right after. Uh, Michael Thomas was at the four spot. And then we had uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the fifth spot. And that was actually why I traded up, was because I wanted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he was snagged right before my pick. So... You talk about the seven times I was snagged by Burke. I was snagged again by another guy in our league in the first round. So having to pivot, uh, I wasn't that upset about it because there's still some question marks with Hilaire. And then, of course, he blows up Monday night and looks really good. Doesn't get a lot of receiving yards, though, which was surprising. But still, uh, he blows up. Um, So I go to Alvin Kamara, and I draft Alvin Kamara and I'm happy about that he's gonna get receiving yards rushing yards Uh, I'm totally fine with that pick so after that we have you know Joe Mixon Josh Jacobs goes Devonta Adams goes and then you know you gotta figure you have Burke at the end of the draft who is he gonna get he gets Julio Jones and then Kenyon Drake Drake was the guy I was looking at at the beginning of the second round. But uh, now Burke's able to get him at the very first pick in the second round. Which, again, I'm actually fine with because then I'm pivoting the receiver. Because outside of that, uh, you know, after Kenyon Drake, um, really, you know, outside of on my list, we have Aaron Jones, um, you know, Chris Carson... We don't have a lot, and I'm not drafting those guys at the beginning of the second round. All the other guys that you're probably thinking, like, oh, Cook, Chubb, you know, those guys were keepers, so I am i can't draft them. So I get Tyreek Hill, and I figure since I have Mahomes as a keeper, why not get Tyreek Hill? They score a touchdown, I get double the points. That's worth it to me. So that's where I go. On the way back, I'm thinking... Man, do I want some Calvin Ridley? I think Calvin Ridley at the end of the third round would be a great pick right there. I know he's a sleeper, but I don't think a lot of guys are going to reach higher to get him. And, anyways, Aaron Jones goes right after me. We have a huge run on receivers with, you know, Galladay, Hopkins, Evans, Smith Schuster, Cooper, Robinson, Brown, and It's looking good with all those receivers that people might want to start pivoting towards running back. Uh, Chris Carson goes, and then Calvin Ridley goes, the second pick in the third round. And I'm pretty livid because I, again, expected him to go towards the end, but he doesn't. And uh, so he's off the board. So then I'm like, man, he's off the board. Who am I targeting? Right away, I want Cooper Cup. He's my guy. Uh, Ridley Cup at that area is actually my my two targets that I wanted I wanted as my 3-4 I wanted Ridley Cup caveat to that though is I know Burke is going to take Cooper Cup because we talked about it during our draft how much we we liked him Uh, anyway so Jonathan Taylor goes which you know I think is kinda early Uh, Mostert goes in the third which is early DJ Moore's taken which is about right Uh, Ertz goes so I'm up Robert Woods goes and so I'm up and I'm like yeah I have a chance to take Cooper Cup I'm gonna take him I don't care what they say about running the two tight end sets and Cup being a slot receiver he's kind of Jared Goff's security blanket he breaks a lot of tackles and he's my guy so I take Cooper Cup and when I take Cooper Cup now that Ridley's gone I'm like well I want Tyler Lockett or Terry McLaren On the turn. After the turn. I should get one of those guys. I don't think Burke's going to go... You know, two receivers. I think he's going to go up... Try to get another running back. He doesn't. He goes right... uh, He goes right and gets uh, Lockett and McLaurin in succession on those picks. So, I'm kind of stuck. Both the guys I wanted are gone. And so I, again, pivot to... DJ Chark and I am not disappointed in DJ Chark I think he's going to have a lot of garbage time uh, targets and TDs for the Jaguars because they're going to be a bad team and they're going to be behind and going to need to throw so all those things intrigue me so I take DJ Chark because I don't like the running backs there and I feel like there's better value at receiver probably the only running back I would take is David Johnson in the fourth round but uh I'm a little scared off at, on David Johnson just because of his injury history, and uh, uh, but his usage, I, I think you know he'll be a stud. But again, so I, I I like the upside of DJ Chark, so I take him. So sure enough, you know Fournette, David Johnson, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, they all go, and uh, Melvin Gordon goes at the end of the fourth round. We get Cam Akers, Devin Singletary, Hollywood Brown goes in the fifth James White in the fifth which was way hella high but uh, that's fine uh, you you know you, you like your players and you got to get them you take them where wherever you can I guess um, Hunter Henry went and then uh, we had Stefan Diggs and then it's my turn at the f- fifth round so I'm sitting there thinking about who I want. And I really like Philip Lindsey and Antonio Gibson, but I feel like the fifth round's a little early. So I want to get one of those backs. And again, I'm under the impression that I will get one of those backs on the way back. I have Michael Gallup sitting there. It's the fifth round, but it's the keeper league, so we have to draft guys a little bit earlier than what they're projected, just because we have 24 guys off the board before we even draft, right? So... I have Michael Gallup sitting there and I want all of Michael Gallup. I think he's a better, the best receiver in Dallas. I think he's better than Amari Cooper. So I like that intrigue and upside more than I like Philip Lindsay's and Antonio Gibson's. So I draft Michael Gallup. Really want Antonio Gibson on the way back in the sixth round. So Burke is up. He drafts Philip Lindsay and Antonio Gibson again. Both people that I wanted, or at least I wanted one of them on the way back. I was willing to share. Like, I'll get one of those guys. I'll give Burke one of them. And Burke's like, I won't share. I'm taking both of them. So, now you're screwed. And I was screwed. I didn't like any of the running backs. You know, David Montgomery was hurt, and it looks like he's going to play. But, I'll be honest, even with him playing, I had him last year thinking he was going to be a breakout. And I just don't like the Bears offense. I don't like relying on Nagy uh, to utilize him the way he can, he can, they can. And I went with Zach Moss because I do like his upside. And, you know, the rumblings out of camp is he's having an amazing camp. Um, David Singletary isn't having as great of a camp. And so I'm intrigued. So I think that's, you know, out of all the backs, that's, you know, as a third running back, that's a good option. So I, I, I have really good receivers. I shouldn't dip too much into the receivers. I don't like drafting quarterbacks this early. I already have my home, so it's pointless. And there's a lot of late tight ends I like better. So I take Zach Moss. And then Montgomery goes after me. That's where you know Tyler, Board, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Green, DeAndre Swift, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton. Those guys go in the uh, sixth round. Then we have Jared Cook, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Like you know, those quarterbacks are starting to go off the board fairly early. I might add. I- I'm still not comfortable drafting a quarterback, even with you know them starting to get drafted. Rob Gronkowski, Marvin Jones, and then we have Cream Hunt goes off the board in the seventh round. So that happened right before me. I wasn't going to go after Cream Hunt. I mean. I was thinking about him because I needed some depth at running back, but there's, I don't have an eighth round pick and there's a guy that I really want as a sleeper. And I wanted him in the ninth or in the eighth. And I knew I couldn't get him in the eighth, that he'd be gone by then. So, or at least, you know, definitely by the time I drafted in the ninth, he would be gone. So not having an eighth, knowing you won't make it to the ninth, I drafted Deontay Johnson. And I'm really happy about that because, especially with all the reports that have came out in the last couple of days, outside of him being injured, I know, um, he's been having an excellent camp, been Ben Roethlisberger's favorite target. And so to get that in the seventh, I'm ecstatic and I'm still liking that pick. Right after me, Burke went with Christian Kirk, Jerry du- Judy. And, you know, Judy was actually a great pick because. Uh, Cortland Sutton got hurt, and uh, he's not going to be playing for the first week, might be longer. And Judy is probably going to be the main receiver now in Denver. So, uh, obviously, hindsight with that pick, it's a great pick. At the time, it's, you know, well, he's a rookie. Let's see how he does. Will Fuller went right after that, though. And that was a guy that I really liked. I just think that. uh, in houston there's not a lot of other options he's amazing obviously he gets hurt so i think that's why he slipped so far people are still scared that you know they'll get the two or three games out of him and then uh have to replace him but uh yeah at that point uh you know the running backs are ronald jones and jordan howards and you know debo samuels was picked which is a good pick uh and then on the way back we have you know john brown uh we have some of the tight ends, like a Sicky and Hayden Hurst and Hooper going. They're all around that same area in this draft. So now with those tight ends going, I want to make my move on tight end. And I love Janus Smith. He is my favorite. He was my target the whole draft. I love him. But I wanted two tight ends. So I wasn't going to draft a quarterback because I have Mahomes. I was going to go and draft some depth at tight end, especially because I was taking some guys with upside. Janu Smith was definitely one. The problem is I wanted Noah Fant as well, and Burke is really high on Noah Fant. So my thinking along the lines in the ninth round was, I will draft Noah Fant. Burke already has Hayden Hurst, right? Burke has Hayden Hurst. He won't go dip this early into a second tight end. I just don't think it's possible. So, Knowing that I took Noah Fant, one of his targets, he'll just ignore the position and I'll come back and get Janu Smith. Burke knows I want Janu Smith, takes him, totally screws me and I'm sitting there at the 10th pick like what do I do now? What do I do? Because that was basically what I was banking on was him being there. There There's no reason for Burke to draft him, he drafts him. So, then I'm like, well, there's not a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of tight ends that are good later on. Some I don't even have to draft; I could pick up later. I'm gonna pivot to a backup quarterback with upside. He hasn't been drafted yet. I'm in the tenth round. I go and get Daniel Jones, and I'm really happy about that as a backup because I think after his early season schedule, he's gonna really break out and have an amazing season. So uh, he he's my pick for uh, for my tenth round pick. Then after that, you you know you have the Sterling Shepherds, Emmanuel Sanders, Tevin Coleman, Sonny Michels. Uh, big run on quarterbacks with Roethlisberger, Wentz. Uh, Baker Mayfield makes it in there. In the 11th, you start getting some defenses. You get Joe Burrow, uh, Matt Breida, who I actually think is the better running back in Miami. He's going to be the starter. Uh, is my prediction, anyway. Um, he gets drafted in the 11th, which I think is good value. And... So at this point, it's a keeper league, so I'm thinking I don't want to take up my last spots as kicker and defense, and I say this because you always should draft your defense and kicker last, but in a keeper league, especially when it's tied to the value of where you drafted them, you want to get guys late as you can, because then if you keep them, you give up late round draft picks instead of earlier round draft picks. So I went with the Denver Bronco defense and I was really happy about that. I'm a little less happy about it with Von Miller getting hurt a couple days later, out for the year, and I'm devastated. So I, I, do I feel like I threw that pick away? No, because I feel like Denver's defense will be still a solid defense, but the fact that they have to play Kansas City twice and they're, you know, without Miller, they're out, uh, Chubb isn't a full go yet. Uh, it makes it a little more of a scary pick and, you know, I didn't have a lot of options on defense. You know, my, my defenses I really wanted, you know, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee, they're already taken. So I didn't have um, a lot of other defenses that I wanted. So I took Denver, and I'm going to ride or die with Denver. Anyways, at this point, I'm on the – doesn't take anyone I want. So I'm actually happy. This is the first time that I, I'm not – thwarted by Burke and his evil thinking and uh, you know knowing my my strategies and, and stealing guys from me so it comes back at the 12th round and I'm really excited about the 12th round because I'm looking at my uh, at available players and I see someone that I've been targeting all off season, just sitting there for me all off season. I've been wanting this guy huge upside he's a starter And the thing that's been... The reason why he dropped was because he was supposed to miss the first four weeks of the season, which, you know, as a rookie especially, that scares you off. Jalen Rager for the Eagles. I draft him. I'm ecstatic because I have high hopes for this guy. And, you know, soon after reports are coming out that he might be available for week one. You know, at first it was like, well, he might only miss the first week. Well, he might even play the first week. and It looks like he's playing. I actually hope he doesn't because I want him to come back healthy. But even if he misses the first week and I get him for the rest of the year, I think he is going to be the Eagles' main receiver, uh, especially by the end of the year. He's just such a talented guy. I like his ability. I like his route running. I like his hands. Uh, to get that in the 12th round as a you know a starting receiver, I'm all about it. So I draft Rager. That's when a lot of like the slot receivers and like other receivers start going, you know, Anthony Miller's, Robbie Anderson's, Deshaun Jackson's, um, Preston Williams. Uh, not a lot of running backs. Tariq Cohen goes, you know, 12th or 13th round. We have like, you know, Joshua Kelly's and Adrian Peterson's go. And, you know, Sammy Watkins goes. And then here's something I do that I, I don't normally do, but I don't have a 15th round pick and I have two guys that I'm targeting that I really want. So I go kicker here because I want to keep those values on those players because I have confidence that they're going to be there, So especially because I'm right at the turn. So I draft Chris Boswell for the Steelers, and he's not on a lot of radars as kickers, but as a kicker, I feel like Steelers are going to be a high-scoring offense, and... He's going to be at least in in the top I think he's gonna be a top eight kicker, and that's how many kickers actually were drafted uh before me, so again, a lot of people not following the rules and this kind of having the same strategy so I draft Chris Boswell and I'm happy with that and I drafted him er- way earlier than his ranking uh not then not sooner than my rankings I had I actually had Boswell as a top five kicker but uh than most of the other uh, expert rankings so it comes back to me again uh, Brooke drafts the defense comes back to me and on the 14th round I draft Brian Edwards and I love Brian Edwards you know I talk about him all the time on the podcast he's my type of person I'm always banging the table for Brian Edwards and I you know put my drafting where my mouth is. I can't talk him up and say, you know, tell everyone to get him if I don't get him myself. So I did. I re- I went out and I got him as my re- another receiver. And I know what you're thinking. I'm getting a lot of receivers and not a lot of running backs. And my strategy when I'm drafting is I always get best available player. So, you know, am I going to draft uh you know Alexander Madison or you know someone that's kind of handcuffed by someone in front of them? Or I can get a starting receiver for the Raiders at one of the last picks, who, you know, he could have a he can have a, a breakout as a rookie. I mean, Raiders are gonna give their receivers the ball. I, I like the targets he can get. I think Ruggs will be the big play guy. And and basically, you know, you know how I feel about Edwards. I'll just be repeating everything I've already said about him the last couple podcasts. So I'm not gonna get into it too much. But he was available, so I took him. Then, obviously, not having a 15th. There's a lot of kickers. And, you know, Duke Johnson goes, Lazard, Chris Herndon, Blake Jarwin, Eric Ebron, which are all good tight end picks. James Robinson went, which is a great pick because he's the starter in Jacksonville on paper. So, why not take the chance there and that late in the draft? Uh, Gardner Minshew, which is another uh, really good sleeper pick at the end of the draft with all the garbage time TB or. TDs that he's going to uh, be getting. Anyway, so it goes back around to me at the 16th round, which is our last round of the draft. And I only have three running backs, so I'm looking at running back. And my two that I'm looking at, and the other one's not drafted, so it's still an option for me to do a pickup. But I want either Malcolm Brown or Chase Edmonds. And my thinking on both is Chase Edmonds still... Can be like productive in this offense. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, um, but he still has a little bit of value because Kenyon Drake's never been like the main workhorse even in college. So is he capable of doing that? We don't know yet. So it's a risk in that regard with Kenyon Drake, even though the talent is there. But Edmonds has proved when he does play, he's a monster, and he could be that number one guy. So I dipped in and you know took Edmonds over Malcolm Brown. Even though I like Malcolm Brown because he's a starter now, I think he gets the goal line carries, and hes I think he's going to have a, be more of a threat to Cam Akers than what people think. I think he'll be the main back. Cam Akers will be kind of a complementary back, and it's really going to be more Malcolm Brown doing the dirty work and getting more of the volume, so... Uh, it was a tough choice, but I went with upside because Malcolm Brown could also start fading as the season winds, winds down. You know, Even early on, it could be like four or five weeks and Cam Akers takes over the starting running back position. So I went with, the, again, the upside and Chase Edmonds. And uh, we'll see if I'm right, if I made the right choice or the wrong choice. But I'm happy about it. And overall, as a draft, I'm really excited about my team. I, f- I feel like I did a good job. Even with, uh, you know, facing ad, uh, adversity with Burke taking some of my picks. And uh, we, we talked about it afterwards. He, uh, uh, it's easy to do because you're going to, you know, me and him are both invested in studying players and uh, doing our research on guys. And that brings us to like the same type of players. And uh, when you're drafting by each other, you're going to be stealing each other's players a lot. So that's what happened. That will do it for today's episode. You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. And NFL season starting, so let's all get excited. You know, with your draft, we'll see uh, how your drafted players do this weekend. And whether good or bad, we'll be back next week to uh, critique it and talk about it. So join us then. And have a great weekend. Take care.